It's that time of the week again. You are about to participate in a great adventure. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop? What the hell do you think you're doing? It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris. Oh my God! As they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. As well as the music of today. Excuse me while I whip this out. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Who are those guys? Digital Kill the Radio Star starts. Come on, quit stalling! All right, everybody, welcome back to the Digital Killed the Radio Star podcast, where we are on episode two of our four-part Springsteen series of course he is the greatest american songwriter of all time and there's no uh, doubt about that bob dylan can take a hike and that's going to upset some people but it's the truth anyway uh got my good buddy chris craig here with me chris how are you i'm doing doing well how about yourself do you disagree with my statement <clears throat> no i don't okay i good. don't at all and i'm still just amazed by uh this transformation of yours that is not going away. Um, it's not. I got another book in the mail yesterday. It's every song. The it's the story behind every song he's ever recorded. <laughs> I've I've uh, man, created this... a monster. Wait, hang on one second. I just I was not getting the appropriate set. Um, ah, but um, no, I've been through it before you before with you. Gaslight, REM. Secure, but this one, uh, this one takes the cake, and it made me. I don't know if you, I don't know how much you're familiar with, um, with uh, True Romance. When I sent you that last night, oh yeah, the the Christian Slater thing. <laughs> yeah, anybody who, if you're familiar with, um, familiar familiar with that movie, just think when, um. When Christian Slater is in a bar talking to this girl, talking about Elvis, and uh, that's David and and the boss. I'm telling you, man, I've got a problem, <laughs> a real problem on my hands. Uh, it he, could be worse. Yeah, it could be. At least I'm not a Kiss fan. Exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine if I was like, "We're gonna we're gonna break down the Hotter Than Hell album." <laughs> No, I can't imagine that. <laughs> no. Anyway, so last time what we did was we compiled the ultimate double album for his early period, which went from Asbury Park through Nebraska. And what we're going to do this time is the middle period, uh, Born in the USA through Tom Jode and the Greatest Hits album, because there are four songs on the Greatest Hits album. Now, this is an interesting time. He's at his commercial peak and his commercial low in this decade. 
Um, honestly, his nineties output was, was pretty bad. Um, you know, and we talk about, we may talk about it earlier later, but if it wasn't for streets of Philadelphia, the dead men walking soundtrack and, um, uh, what's the song he did for that movie? Um, secret garden. He would have been largely irrelevant the entire nineties period until the reunion in 99. But the thing that's interesting about him is he never handles success the same way. So the river was his biggest album. So what does he do? He puts out an all acoustic album recorded on essentially a cassette recorder. It's demos born to run was the one that kind of broke him through. It's kind of about getting out, getting away and celebrating the past a little bit. And he puts out darkness on the edge of town, which is about those that are left behind and, and the consequences of that. And then he puts out born in the USA, which is 28, 29, 30 million copies. I mean, there's everybody owns it and he comes back out with tunnel of love. And then what does he do? He just shuts down for five or six years and then comes back and uh, lays two turds to some extent. Um, one and a half turds. We'll put it that way. And then he, he releases two albums on the same day and then comes back and does a largely acoustic album uh, that's more kind of that Western singer songwriter. And then he puts out a greatest hits album and records four songs with um, members of the E street band. But Chris, we've talked about this. He, he hit a lull, but he comes back later with a vengeance, which is are going to be our next episode. But uh, have you ever seen somebody have a peak and a low it's extreme as he did with human touch and born in the USA, because it's unanimous born in you. I mean, uh, human touch is his worst album. It, and I think that's probably if, if it's not going to be the worst for everybody, it's going to be a bottom three. I, I don't, I think at least that is, is not debatable because I could put in, because when you start getting into to debatable, um, I think Western stars is one of his worst records, but it's going to be a lot of people are going to have that high up on a list. And I, I, I don't get it. I just don't. And we'll talk about that in the, in, in the next one, I'm sure. But I just, I don't get that album. It didn't resonate with me. It's boring. But so you're going to get, obviously, you're going to have people that love that. But this, but yes, Human Touch, I think you're going to get very little, if any, debate. And I think you had a fair assessment of, of his career. And to go back to what you, the qu- first question you asked me is, have I ever seen a, what's called a, a peak and valley and peak. Um, no, I haven't. Because what happens is bands typically, artists that we love, they they sadly hit a wall and they don't make the same level of music. And it, they, they get older and it just doesn't happen. And pick your, your favorite artist that's had a 30-year career. And they're probably not making good records right now. And I've long, I've said for a long time, I think that, I mean, Springsteen is far and away the best at whether, whether he's for you or not. I think the one thing you could talk, you could, you could talk to Springsteen fans and they'll tell you he's still making incredible records, but you could talk to, I don't know, a U2 fan. And if they tell you they're still making great, great records, I think they're kidding themselves because they, they've really changed. And, and that can be said about a lot of bands. Um, REM went with a, a – they dipped majorly, and they came back a little. You know, those last couple of records were were good. The last two were good, but they weren't, they weren't vintage REM. 
Springsteen, in my opinion, has lately his level, the level of work has been comparable to the late seventies, early eighties. It's not at it's okay. It's not the exact same, but it's, it's in the same universe. It's in the same, it's, it's worth a conversation. And I think what's interesting about this time period is he didn't just, it's not, not only did the quality go down, but the output went down majorly. So you can't give him one of those ones. Well, okay, guy, you, you got to got to give us a uh, quality over quantity. He wasn't really given us either. And it's weird the way that happened because his records, like even I know you don't like him as much, but even the first two records I like a lot. And so you go from you go from Asbury Park all the way through Tunnel of Love, and the guy just keeps releasing strong record after strong record. And then the '90s hit, and it's like he hit this writing wall. And I've heard him talk about about it. Before. He talks about it in his book. He hit a writing wall, and I don't remember. You're a more recent reader of that book, so. I don't remember if this was the time period that he talks about where he was really struggling as a writer, but he just, he wasn't there and something, something happened. I, I maybe it's partially bringing the E street band and then giving him new life. Maybe it's the nine 11 inspired him, uh, those songs and putting those songs out to, to come out with that comeback record. And then from there on, he just, he hasn't looked back. And the last, I'm going to tell you that the next episode we do, there's going to be songs that mean way more to me and I love way more than what we did on our first episode. But the level of difficulty of picking my top 20 is going to be comparable. Oh, yeah. And this wasn't hard. This wasn't that hard. Think about it. The guy's got six or seven albums in the can that he's never even released. Yeah, and to to put an album out that you know, letter to you put an album out of that caliber when I, I mean how, how how many he wasn't quite 50 years into a career but man he was close since that first album came out when that came out really close and he put that album out and it's I, that one, and, and I know I'm, I'm drifting here because we're talking about for the next time. I, I'll save it. I'll, I'll save it. But I just say some of his work has been incredible. To, to have had this 90s period, it's it's kind of bad, kind of kind of baffling. That doesn't really happen. It is. He had a lot of life changes going on at that time with uh, getting married to Patty and moving to Malibu, you know, and having his children. But um, like we said, it was definitely a little bit of a drought there. So. The rules, 20 songs, and then we have to pick some unreleased B-sides to go on the Japanese import that we're going to sell over there. So we need the folks in Tokyo to get a little something extra because it costs a lot of money. So uh, here's what we'll do. I'll do five. You do five like last time. How does that sound? It works. All right. To me, if you're going to kick this thing off this period of time, one of my favorite songs of his, I'm going to open with No Surrender from Born in the USA, a song that I believe, and you correct me if I'm wrong, would definitely fit in on Born to Run or The River, um, for sure. That's about growing up, 
making a pact with your buddy and, you know, you're going to attack the world and you're going through it with all this vigor and, you know, things happen. And that's the one that our boy Fallon gets to sing with him every now and then uh, at the live in Hyde Park. I believe you could have cut Brian Fallon's legs off and he never would have known that uh, that happened. I don't think I've ever seen a human being that happy. So that is going to be my lead track. And then we're going to slow it down real quick to a top 10 song for me from him, My Hometown. That song is so poignant. Essentially, two or three different stories are told in it, and it, and it comes to a, a great conclusion. It's about the trials and tribulations of his hometown uh, that he grew up in in New Jersey. Uh, just an excellent way to end Born in the USA. Speaking of Born in the USA, it's the song that made him uh, a superstar of superstars. Very misunderstood song, originally recorded in the Nebraska sessions. It's more of a folk song. You can listen to him on, uh, I believe it's on the Springsteen on Broadway, where he talks about meeting the guy that wrote a book about Vietnam, and the guy was essentially homeless, and and this is kind of his story. Uh, it's one of the more misunderstood, misused songs, along with uh, Sweet Home Alabama. You see a lot of people using it at campaigns and stuff like that, that ha- because they like the course. They haven't listened to the lyrics. One of the most identifiable songs from the 80s. Uh, if you were to rank 10 songs from the 80s that everybody knows, this one's in there, I'm pretty sure. Like I said, it sold like 28, 29 million albums. All right, now we're going to go on to a song that on some days I will tell you is the best song he's ever written. I think it's holds up to anything he's done regardless of the period, and that is off Tunnel of Love. And the song is going to be tougher than the rest. This song is so beautiful. It's so well-written. It's probably the simplest drum track in the history of music, but it's so effective. It's just a human metronome back there. And it's use of the 80 synthesizers, the way it slowly comes in is perfect. It doesn't have as much of a bad 80 sheen as some other stuff does on that album. There's a version on the Chimes of Freedom EP that's live that I think is the definitive version. Uh, The way each instrument comes in uh, on its own at the right time. Tougher than the rest. Like I said, on some days, I think that's the best song he's ever written. I know it's one he's very proud of and uh, a lot of people have covered. And then the last one of my first five. It's also off that album. One of my favorite songs of his, a song that he sings with his wife, Patty, Brilliant Disguise. And one of the things I think that's interesting about Tunnel of Love, it's the one that I wish he could go over and redo and re-record. Not rewrite, but re-record. Because it's some of his strongest songwriting. And I think most of his fans will tell you kind of the same thing. The songwriting on it is superb. It's a complete left field from Born in the USA but it really, really suffers from that mid to late 80s sound. Um, but these songs come off well uh, acoustically, and they they come off very well live. So those are my first five, Chris. Okay. Well, this is going to – we'll just make this easy because I have I have all five of those. Come <laughs> up with. So that's the way we're going to do this. Um, I don't know if I'll go in the exact same order of you. Let me just start with Tougher Than the Rest because – I think that that, I think that's one of the, when you say it's maybe one of his, the best songs, he's maybe the best song he's ever written. What I, what I love about the song is it's, um, 
it's unconventional for a ballad. Um, the lyricism and even the title itself, tougher than the rest. It's it's just different. It stands apart. And I think that's to be expected from a guy who wasn't really writing ballads. Not, not in the way that we think of them. I mean, somebody may hear some of those early songs and think they're ballads, and maybe in some ways they are, but a love song. Let's just, so let's not even go with the word ballad, a love song. I think it was just a t different way to write it. And it was, um, I know we're in this, <laughs> sorry if I offend anybody, but we're in this weird time in, um, in this world with, uh, with all the crazy political correctness and some of the things that are going on, you know, it's just, so I say that to say that the perspective that's written from, it's a very kind of macho love song, a manly love song. And, um, and I think that's fitting from the guy that you all, everybody thought when he got done selling out Madison square garden, he was going to go work, you know, work at the garage or, or wash cars. I think it's kind of the fitting love song for a guy like that. Staying on the, I'll stay on the record since those are the last two you went. Brilliant disguise. It, it's an amazing song, and I've never been able to hear either one of these live. I've seen him five times, and I've never seen him. And I, I, I've, I think I finally realized. And there's somebody can point out and say, "Well, no, there's this time, and no, there's that time," where maybe Susie Tyrell sang with him on Brilliant Disguise. But I think for the most part, if you hear that song, Patty's there. And I can't remember if Patty was at, you would think she was, but for some reason, I can't remember whether or not she was at my first show, which was at uh, Old Giant Stadium. But the other ones, I know without a doubt, she was not there. She doesn't tour a lot. But I'd love to hear either one of these live. I I don't think Brilliant Disguise has as much of the 80s sound as, as you do. I think in a weird way, almost a tougher than the rest has, has more of it, but they, they don't bother me at all. I, um, and by the way, isn't that funny? Like we hear something from the seventies and we don't say, Oh, has that kind of seventies sound that kind of weird period. You don't say that about it, about the seventies. You only say it about the sixties. You say it about the eighties. And, uh, because it was such a because it was just such a short amount of time, and we've never gone back to it. Well, and I think you because you had so many of the bands that that um, the new wave element that was that people were starting to, to use that instrumentation. I mean, he, even Maiden played around with it on uh, somewhere between time. They they played around with it. It's what everybody was doing. Metal bands were doing it. But enough about that. Let me go back to. Um, I'll stay with another slow one, but um, my hometown. This one is my, of my five shows, this one is probably my favorite live moment that I've seen because seeing him play that giant stadium, but technically in New Jersey and seeing it about his hometown, it's just uh, the way he looks singing that. I, I remember when I got back from the, the show, I, showed my dad that video on, on YouTube been playing that. And my dad, who certainly doesn't mind Springsteen, but he's not like some massive Springsteen fan. He just, he looked, he was watching it. And I could tell you, my dad was being really sincere. He went, 
wow, you, you can really tell he means that. And that's what resonated in that crowd. Um, so I gave three of yours and then yet, okay. You had no surrender. That is, um, I think what you said is accurate. I, I think it, um, I think it would fit on, you know, definitely not darkness, but on what you said, born to run or, or the river, or the, river. the river. When you think about those first three songs on the river, wouldn't this be the perfect sequence to go ahead? I mean, no, I know you had to slow it down a bit, but you could go right from Jackson cage into this one and, and you don't skip a beat. And you, mm-hmm. What a, what a hell of a four, four song intro. Um, and then lastly, born in the USA. Now this is one that definitely has 80 sound, but it has that, like you said, it, it's this one you can put up with. My God, you can put this up there with 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 beat it. Um, and I'm I'm really drawing a blank when you think about the landmark era defining songs and. Well, it's 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 Madonna, it's Prince. And it's Springsteen as far as the solo people at that point. I mean, those are the three that there's there's nobody else in their zip code. And and in some way, and I know he wasn't on. I know before you say, well, no, that's not a fair comparison. He wasn't on the same wavelength, but he wasn't that far off for a period. I think of another one that said that just as quintessential '80s that you can't get more '80s when you think about Rebel Yell, Dancing with Myself, White Wedding, same type thing, and. And so you could say that too, Born in the USA, Dancing with Myself, even though that was a Generation X song that came earlier, but still. Um, Yeah, and it's just, it's one of those that, a lot of times when he plays this one live, he'll he'll play more of the, what was, what he, the way it was written. And that song would be, that'd be a good song if we didn't know this version existed. And here in this, Getting the getting to hear this one live when I when I saw him at first show he played Born in the USA in the entirety, that was that was super super cool and um, that song just takes me back to my childhood and it takes me um, first cassette I ever got and, and no matter the the how big that was how big of a just a overall almost called a disruption to the music scene that he causes this just um, huge tidal wave that he came to swept the nation. It's a great song. You know, let's not say we'll try to act cool and say, well, it's popular. So wasn't that good? No, it's a really, really damn good song. Yeah. There's, there's no arguing the impact that it had on the culture at that time. All right. Lucky town title track, lucky town. Bruce is in a little bit happier place with this album. He released this and Human Touch the exact same day. Human Touch was recorded a couple years earlier, and for whatever reason, they didn't release it. Um, I think the Lucky Town album suffers that it was associated with Human Touch because there's some really good songs on there. Lucky Town's obviously about his uh, a little more positive outlook on life. He's been married. He's had a child. Like I said, he's moved to California. Love that song. All right, Human Touch, the title track from that album uh, i pretty much have come to agreement if he has a title track on a, on an album it's a really good song this to me stands up there with anything he's written it's a longer song for him he sings it with patty 
And it's got one of my more favorite moment, lyrical moments of him. There is a uh, breakdown right before solo where he and Patty sing, Oh girl, that feeling of safety you prize. And they are just, they put so much emphasis on that. And then he comes back, well, it comes at a hard, hard price. And then they both come back with, you can't shut off the risk and the pain without losing the love that remains. We're all riders on this train. One of my favorite stanzas from him, and it's very powerful the way that he and and Patty sing that song together. And like we said, uh, that there's a lot of songs that they're going to do uh, together. Now, they've played this on the uh, most recent tour with uh, Sister Susie. She's filling in for Patty on that, and she does a good job. All right, another song off Lucky Town that I really like. It's a true story called The Local Hero. He was walking around uh, uh, close to his hometown in New Jersey, and there was a weird uh, like cardboard cutout, a picture or something of him with some other odd pictures, and uh, he walked into the store where it was, and obviously the, the person working there didn't know who he was, and he said, who is that? And they said, oh, it's just some local hero. He recently opened the show in New Jersey with it, which I thought was really cool. And I think he starts off, this is a true story. And he brought the band in slowly with the horns and then brought the full band in. Really great tune. All right, Tom Joad, the title track from uh, The Ghost of Tom Joad. I love this song. I know you're not a big fan of it. Uh, if I had to pick between the two versions of it, the the one with Tom Morello is going to beat it out simply because of the guitar solo. Uh, he mentions Tom Joad from the Grapes of, Grapes of Wrath. It's kind of about how, uh, you know, the economy has treated some of these people out West at the time. And uh, just a, a really, a really good song from him that a lot of people like, I know Chris isn't that big of a fan. And then off the same album, Youngstown tells the story of a town that has a history of essentially building uh, uh, war weapons, but it's told in a way that only the boss can uh, he, this one and Tom Joad are the only songs that ever get played from this album. Now, uh, I, 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 I really like them. The rest of the album I can pretty much do without. Okay. Well, I've got, there's three from that section that I can, that I, that I have on mine. And the, uh, the two albums released the same day. I've got lucky town and human touch. And, you know, we talk about this yet. Lucky Town's actually, like you said, it's not a bad album. And I think if, um, I'd say it's it's at least 75% of it's pretty good. And Human Touch is, I think there's more good songs on it than you do. But I think if you had to piece those two together, we wouldn't be talking about the follow-up to, uh, we'd be talking to the follow-up um, to Tunnel of Love a whole lot differently because I think it would be probably about as equally as good of an album. And that may sound like that may sound crazy to a lot of people, but because some people say tunnel of love is his best album. Well, those people are wrong. Um, it's not, I, uh, I don't put it in my top five, but it's good. And I like both human touch and, and lucky town a lot. And Really, like you said, those the songs that came later uh, on on soundtracks, those he had big hits with those. But outside of those, outside of these two songs, those are really the only hits that yeah. he he had from a studio like 
album recording. And that's what I did my list on, by the way. I just went, I, I went, I could easily put Streets of Philadelphia in there without, I mean, no question. And you may have done that. We'll find that out in a minute. But I just stuck to just the studio albums. And so I had Human Touch and Lucky Town. I'm going to stay on Lucky Town and I'm going to go with what I think is one of his most underrated songs of the 90s for sure. And one of the better, one of the definitely one of the best on the record and one of the better songs of the 90s, Better Days. I uh, I just think that's, I don't know, I, I just I like everything about it. It's almost, it almost feels uplifting. It's a good rock song. Um, like I said, it is it is a positive sounding song. I'm big fan of that one. Um, I'm gonna go to the, the album Tom Joad. I'm not gonna pick Tom Joad, like you said. I, I don't know, I don't despise the song. And even though Tom Morello has ruined satellite radio, um I do like <laughs> I do like that version better that he played on. And um but I'm gonna go with the song. Well, you actually had this with you. Did you did? Dude, I'm just not taking Tom Joe. I'm going to take Youngstown. I think that's a really, really good one off of that. And so I've got one more to go on this. Let me go. I'm going to take it back to Born in the USA, and I'm going to, I'm going to for once beat you to the punch because it's got to be on your list because I know that you love the song. I'm going to go with Glory Days, and that's a, of course. I would I'd say that was probably just of all the hits on that album, I, I think of that one probably after Born in the USA, probably the, the biggest one. And it's one of those ones that it's carried on. It, it's one that you could hear at a baseball game. Um, it's one that comes off great live. And one of my favorite, favorite, favorite moments that you can get between that brotherhood of of uh little steven and and bruce is uh when he he does he's, he's when he does it he's more known to do it during that song when he yells out you know what time is it and steven steven just yells out that it's boss time yeah i love that i love the live what another part that i love with it live is that breakdown with the whole crowd in unison mm-hmm. i just I love, 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 love that part. I always when that when it slows down and I know that's coming, that's just so exciting. Yeah, I I have Glory Days on there. It's a song about uh, that's actually depressing, but he makes it sound um, glorious. No pun intended. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, big rocker when you see it in concert, man. That's one of the ones when we got to it. At that point, it was towards the end, and they have the lights on, and even if people don't like that song, which I don't know why you wouldn't, man, the place was rocking. Um, and he went directly into dancing in the dark on that. But um, I have better days as well. I think um, that is a, a really good song. If you listen to it, it kind of predicts the way the al- that album is going to go. It's a little happier. And I saw one time somebody said, why don't you write happier songs? He goes, I did. I wrote two albums of them and people hated it. So, uh, anyway, not, not, not entirely true because we both said Lucky Down's a good album. It's just, oh. I forget about it because I'm going to listen to Bruce. I'm going to listen to Darkness. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit down, more of a downer record. I'm going to, well, that's a downer record, but slower. I'm going to go to Nebraska, go to Born in the USA, 
uh, go to Born to Run. It's forgotten, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to use Streets of Philadelphia because I believe he either won a, a Academy Award or a Grammy for this. Completely unlike anything he's ever recorded. He's using drum loops on, loops on it. And it's about a, a man with AIDS back in the 90s, uh, obviously in Philadelphia. It, it's a very powerful song. And, and it's a, one of the things I think is so interesting in it. It's very understated, his singing. But you feel the pain of this man, which obviously we know he's very good at. Um, I, you know, like I said, this is one of the songs that helped make him relevant. Who didn't hear this song every 10 songs on the radio there for a couple of years? The next song, I mean, come on, Bobby Jean, another song off Born in the USA that could have been on the river in a heartbeat. And I didn't realize this. Apparently, this song is r- really written about little Steven leaving the E Street Band. Have you heard that? Mm-mm. Yeah, I yeah, I, I've I've read that. Another one of these songs where he obviously uses a female's name. I mean, it's it's three three or four songs on an album. He either mentions a female's name or it's got a female's name in the title. This one could have fit, like I said, on the river in a heartbeat. Put this after uh, after the song "The River," and and I think it works. Another track off Tunnel of Love that I think is kind of one of his forgotten ballads, and that's One Step Up. I don't know, and you tell me if you disagree with this or not, Chris. I don't know why a country artist hasn't recorded this and it been successful. I'm not talking about like Florida Georgia Line. I'm talking about some of the, you know, Tim McGraw or, or Faith Hill or somebody like that. I think it's what well, Luke his, Bryan. Let, yeah. let him butcher it. <laughs> Yeah, let me tell you what. If I ever find out that Bruce Springsteen compliments Luke Bryan, I'm done with him. I'm done with him. As a lifelong Springsteen fan, I'd have to walk away, Chris. Uh, As as a a few months, Springsteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been there with him since February 18th of 23, okay? We've had our ups and downs, but I've remained loyal. Anyway. Have have you? Have you had downs? No. No. Uh, my Crows fans, I think, are getting tired of me. But anyway, because I've, I've I've said that it's the Crows and Springsteen are neck and neck right now. Anyway, one step up. I love that track. I think I think it would make a great country song and a very understated uh, song in his catalog. I have one step up on mine as well. I I really like that song. Um, I, I as I said, I think the album itself is a little overrated, but there are some real gems on it and that most of the ones, they are the slower songs. Most of the great ones on there. Mm -hmm. And one thing we haven't said yet on here is, is this was, it's widely known and, and he doesn't really run from it either. It's, it's the breakup record. Mm -hmm. And um, he was going through a divorce and you feel it in that. You know, it's the same way too. Like people, it does a lot of times that does translate into the music that you know, Brian Fallon being such a big Springsteen fan when when Gaslight put out Get Hurt, he was going through he'd gone through a divorce when he was writing that album. And everybody I, I read a lot of reviews saying this is the Gaslights, this is their this is their tu- their tunnel of love. And um it was his breakup record. And it's a great one on there. I um I'll stay on the record. Let me go with the title track, Tunnel of Love. It's a great song. Um, 
don't know really know what I would add to it. Just I, I like the song a lot. I'm gonna go back to Born in the USA, and I'm gonna go with um, one I know you don't like, and and I like Bobby Jean by the way. I it, it's I didn't put it on my list. I could have, probably should have, but I, I wanted to I guess be a little more inclusive to other records. But um, I've got I'm going down, and I just I don't know. I've always I've always really liked that. And I look at I'm going down and Bobby Jean. You know they're in the second half of the album and kind of similar. Um, just I think it's, I think it's one of the great non singles off the album, which there are a few of those. Uh, there really are. We just named two of them, and th- there's not many more. So I think it's named three. So let me go down to. Um, I'm going to return to Human's Touch or Human Touch because there, like I said, there are good songs on it. And one that I think is, I really didn't start appreciating until recently, but there's a ballad on there that again is, I think, written in a different way, lyrically. And the song is I Wish I Were Blind. I, I think it's, I think it's a really good love song. I mean, obviously, I think if you've never heard this song, you can tell it's not. He's he's singing to her in the, the love way, he's saying, I wish I were blind. It's wishes he were blind when he sees her with another man. Uh, great ballad. And then I'm going to go back. Let me go. I'll stay to it. I'll, I'll go with another. A lot of these are ballads, ballady type in this era, but... Uh, Take it back to Tunnel of Love, and I'm going. Uh, um, wait, no, that's not. Yeah, we'll we'll go with that one. Um, All the heaven will allow. Off Tunnel of Love. Um, like I said, say the record is completely different. It's and I think that's why it never it, it just doesn't hold it to me like the the early records do. But I mean, this one's definitely very thematic. It's um. And that's just another great song on there. I and it's always like these slower, more like love songs. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't need to hear spare parts. Yeah, that man, that's got a very uncomfortable opening lyric, don't you think? I can't think of what it is. Yeah, we'll talk about it off air. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with those that you picked. I can't. Um, my last side of the album here is a ballad off of Lucky Town called If I Should Fall Behind. Played this a lot in the 90s. It was used at a lot of weddings. I guarantee you that. Uh, kind of a forgotten song in his catalog, but uh, I've always enjoyed it. And then one that was uh, on a movie, Secret Garden. There's something about this. I know it's kind of like a poppy love song, and it's you know a little too cheeky for what he normally does, but I think it works. And it's one of the songs, like we said, that kept him somewhat relevant during this time. And then, to me, a song that is one of his best songwriting uh, examples is Off Born USA, and that's the song I'm on Fire. A lot of restraint on this one, uh, both lyrically and uh, musically. Uh, I wish this one got played a lot more live because I'm, I'm going, I'm on Nug, so I'm listening to all the archives. Um, you know, that that album had like seven singles chart in the top 40. 
I mean, you know, you got Darlington County and working on the highway um, and downbound train or those, those are just about the only ones that I think that, that didn't chart. Just amazing. And then I'm like you, the song Tunnel of Love. Uh, this one was played on the radio so much. I don't, I don't know if you remember. I, I was probably in the sixth or seventh grade, not even that, uh, fifth or sixth grade when this came out. It was on the radio all the time. Uh, what was the radio station in Memphis? 99.7 FM 100. Mm-hmm. It was always on there. And then I'm going to go with a song that I really like. And I understand why it couldn't go on any of these other albums because it doesn't fit. But Murder Incorporated was on the Greatest Hits album. And it's one of the songs he recorded with the E Street Band. Start of their getting back to know each other uh, phase before the reunion. This song is so powerful live. Listen on live in New York City. And uh, little Steven brings a lot to it with his vocals. And it's, you know, about a guy that's gotten mixed up with some bad seeds. And there's just no way of getting around. He's he They're out looking for him. And it's just told in a way that only Springsteen can. This is a great live tune. Uh, you know, obviously when we saw him, if they'd have played this, I wouldn't have known who it was, what it was. But I, I do hope to see it live. And it's one of my favorite um middle of the road middle of the pack periods uh for him so those are my final five all right um i actually just kind of called an audible for myself i took because i i had to when i I'm just sitting there hearing it in my head as you're talking about on i'm on fire and i was like how did i not put that on there um so i'm gonna bump one and I'm going with i'm on fire because technically i would take that song over i had i tell you what i had i had I had man's job on here from human touch, which I do think is a really good song, but I'm going to go, I'm on fire and I'll stay with a song you mentioned. You didn't add to yours, but you mentioned being on born in the USA is one of the few non hits downbound train. Uh, I think that's a, that's a, when a lot of these, I don't know, even though lyrically they may not be happy, they sound happy. Yeah. This one doesn't sound happy. And um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, one of the darker sounding songs in the album. Like that one a lot. Um, and then, wait, I think I didn't do Living Proof yet, did, or did I? Mm-mm. Living Proof is my, is, uh, from Tunnel of Love. Or no, I'm sorry, L- Lucky Town. And then I have, um, if I should fall behind, another another ballad one, and stay in kind of in that same line of ballads, uh, my beautiful reward. And it's funny as we go through this list, uh, it's because, as I said, like uh, I, I didn't realize this until we started doing this, how heavy it was on the ballad selling side, and so. Um, Maybe it just shows with those, particularly those those three records. That's just that's where he was from a stylistic side. It wasn't as much as the you know the Born to Runs, the Jackson Cage, uh, the Born in the USA. It, it seemed like he his writing was a little bit more focused on. I, I guess we could call it a singer songwriter. But anyway, those are those are my twenty. Um. Man, we probably matched 15 of them, wouldn't you say? Probably so, yeah. I mean, but th- we knew that was going to um, 
we knew that was going to be the case. Yeah, we knew there'd be more overlap on this, and and I think we're always we're going to have it because he, he just so many there's so many songs no matter what area you're in that there's no way you can ignore them if you're not when we go on this last third we're not going to have as many but I bet you we still have at least eight or nine. All right, so you're on a trip to Tokyo, Chris. Go to the record store. You see this, they charge you 40, 50 bucks for it. And you're like, man, I better have some bonus material on it. So this wasn't as easy as the last one, finding uh, bonus content, but I have some. I'm going to go with Johnny Bye Bye um, uh, song. Uh, I believe it's about the death of Elvis. If he has Johnny in the title, it's going to be kind of an old school 50 sounding rocker. That's a good tune. Uh, my favorite one of all of these, though, is Janie, Don't You Lose Heart. I understand why it wasn't on Born in the USA, but it should have been on there. A perfectly written pop song. Then I'm going to go with uh, County Fair, uh, a song that uh, hints at his countryside, you know, and he has this kind of on again, off again, love affair with country music. And, and, and he definitely flirted with this one. And then this one was a B technically a B side. So I'm going to go with pink Cadillac. That was a fun one, man. That one was all over the radio too. And uh, you don't hear much about it anymore. And then I'm going to go with the version of this hard land off the greatest hits album. Uh, but, and the reason I'm using it it, because it was also recorded uh, in the eighties as a B side, well, a little bit more of a folk edge to it, but I'm going to go with this hard land. Okay, so you pick two that would, without question, be on my list. However, when I looked them up, when they because of when they were written, they were written prior to, and they they were written around eighty two, eighty three. I probably well, I say I probably in all likelihood would have had Johnny Bye Bye without question. This hard land, it would be the number one of the songs that I had to choose from in this era, but. It was writ. It was not. It was written prior to this. I, I, I think you get a pass on when you did it, but it's debatable. But I just looked at the year it was written and in, in the sessions, and so that's why I did not include that one. Um. So what I did is, I went with. Um, it's a little bit different than what you did yours because I the not necessarily a B side. It wasn't a studio release. It was a greatest hits. So it's technically one of the studio album release. So I, I, from my five, I took Murder Incorporated. So I I had a different approach to it. I've got My Lover Man, which released off it on tracks. Um, The next three, including that one, are off from tracks. Um, Two songs that I'm going to, that are on this list, I've, recently had when I say recent well one probably about five years ago or so I I discovered a a live version of it if you go to tracks and you listen to back in your arms it's a decent song you listen to it live it could be it's one of the best ballads he's ever done he does this and I I highly recommend if you're unfamiliar with with this song going, looking up back in your arms live. And there's a couple of versions. One of them is especially good. It's, it's about 10 minutes long. They both of, both of them I think are, and he does this whole 
talk up on it and basically just talking to the crowd, like anybody out there talking to the crowd, anybody ever uh, let a good thing go and basically realized it when it was too late. And that's what the song's about. And he just seems like he's pouring his heart out in it. And I love that live version. The other one is one that never really resonated with me that much from tracks until the, uh, the live on Broadway, the wish and the build up. He's talking about it with his mom. And if you, if you've read his book, you, you can tell just how fond he is of his mom. And he tells the story talking about her stories, basically that's in the book. He's talking about on that live from Broadway, a live on Broadway. And I think it's just a beautiful, sweet, loving song about his mom. And yeah, it, it, because of once I, once I, he combination of him telling the story behind it and the version that's on live on Broadway, I, I just love the last one is probably going to be a little bit of a surprise because there's going to be a lot of people listening to this who probably don't know the song. I would say you're probably going to be unfamiliar, but you've basically been able to in a few months find, I think you've got home recordings of when he was nine. Um, so you probably are familiar, very familiar with the song Freehold. And uh, you familiar? Yeah, it's about his hometown. Yeah, I just didn't know if you'd heard that because it's because it's only on the I think the only times he's really played it is when he was touring in '96 um, when he did that acoustic run, that theater tour. But I've got I've, I've got a bootleg of his where he's playing that song in Freehold. I think it's the first time he ever played it, and it's not just that I like the storytelling. I think it's a really good song. It is, and and he, you know, he he does a great job with talking about New Jersey. He's their New Jersey's greatest export. Yeah. Um, all right. So our next episode is going to be almost impossible for me because there's a couple of albums. Magic for me, Magic, Wrecking Ball, and Letters to You. Those albums, at worst, have two songs on them I don't like. At worst, and then we're not we haven't even talked about the rising, uh, Devils and Dust. I think is uh, underrated. I, I, I've gotten into it. I am so excited about the next one. I think honestly the next one's going to be my favorite one that we're going to do because it's going to be interesting. Because like you said, he he really really starts at about an 800 batting average after the rising. Well, that's the thing. It's like people hit that, they dip and they don't come back. They, they fall off and it happens to pretty much every great artist, like every single one of them. They eventually, you know, I mean, you can look at a, a band that I've, we've talked about before that I, I liked, when they were around, but oddly, as I've gotten older, as a middle-aged man, I appreciate them so much more, and that's Nirvana. I don't think they would have ever stayed around for 30 years, but had they, they'd probably be writing shit records. And their their three studio albums were 
brilliant. And that's just what happens. It always happens. It's unfortunate. Take your favorite artist and they slip. And very uh, few of them get back up. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's a few. And I, I look at the bands I love, like a couple of them, social distortion, um, life of agony, but first of all, they don't, they haven't made a lot of records and life of agony was, they didn't record for you know, close, about six years. And then after that, took many years off again, they didn't, they haven't put out that much. It's not a huge catalog, but those, those are two bands that I love that I feel like if you're fans of those bands, you probably still like the new albums that they put out, but most of them. No. If, if you went to a concert, you and I, Clark and Caton, because y'all are the people that poisoned me and brainwashed me. If if we went to a concert and he came out and played only songs from the rising on, it would be an amazing concert. I agree. Now, would I I would prefer to know it on the front end because I'm gonna be really annoyed with towards the end. Like, okay, so far we haven't got we haven't got Born to Run, we haven't had we haven't had uh, Thunder Road. We haven't had Badlands. We we haven't had any of these. No Surrender. What's going on here? I'd be kind of annoyed. But if I knew it going in, I'd buy a ticket and say, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. It's going to be different. It's going to be really, really cool. I wonder what it'll open with. Oh, I wonder what it'll close with. He can't close with with, with Born to Run. Or, or we usually close with it, but it's right at the end. He can't close with Rosalita. What's he going to close with? What's he, what's going to be the first song coming into the encore? Yeah. I'd be really, really curious. Hey boss, if you're listening, we got an got idea. An idea. For you. <laughs> uh, the 2001 on tour. All right. This one was fun. We're going to hit the next one uh, pre- in a pretty quick fashion. And then Sonny Pooney is going to come on here and tick off everybody that listens. Cause he's going to crap on Springsteen. He came on the, the state of America podcast and crapped on the crows. And one guy sent me a message and he goes, I'm starting my own podcast and it's strictly to repudiate everything that, uh, ah, um, ah, ah, ah. that Sonny Pooney has ever said in his life. So Chris and I submitted 10 songs for him to listen to and critique. He hates the boss. I hear him talking about it all the time. It'll be fun to get people talking and, and Sonny likes to get people riled up and, uh, I don't know. I hope he doesn't return the favor and say so you guys have to listen to 10 heat songs because I just don't know if I can do it. <laughs> but I would do it. Yeah. To quote, to quote Liam Gallagher, I don't need to hear it to know it sucks. <laughs> I don't need to listen. I don't need to listen to it to know I don't like it. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, and, that's I, what, and that that's the way I would like. We would piss his crowd off if we yeah. talk about heat or even more. Let's talk about the. 10 songs, let's critique 10 Kiss songs and tell you about why they're so vanilla, so bland. And Gene Simmons is like an awful, awful singer. And bassist. And Paul Lip, Paul Stanley have a list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, what I don't think Chris is going to object to this. We're going to play you out with a live version from the Chimes of Freedom concert. This is tougher than the rest. Listen to this, folks. It's an amazing song. See you soon.
fear 